Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we're grateful that you've joined us tonight. Of course, I would like to introduce our co-host, Earl Erskine, who is Hi. with us again. Nice to be here. Nice to have you here, as yeah. always and well, as usual. You. How's your show going? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, very well. We've had some wonderful interviews. In fact, right now we're in the middle of a series of interviews with Bill McKeever. They've been very interesting. Mm, good. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he's got an interesting... Everybody can tune in tomorrow night and uh, at 8 o'clock here at the same station. Every Friday night at, Every Friday at night 8 o'clock. At, at 8 o'clock. It's called The Ex-Mormon Files. He has some awesome interviews of people and tell their stories. It's fun to hear their stories. Of, of yeah. um, their exper experience or experiment yeah. with Mormonism <laughs> and why they left and how they left and their relationship with Jesus. So Thanks. tune in, it's well worth your while. You know, we do hope that you've enjoyed what we've prepared to share with you tonight. It'd be very interesting. Uh, but first we do have a couple of announcements that we'd like to make. First of all, former Mormon Bishop Lee Baker uh, will begin a live radio ministry uh, next month. Uh, Lee and Cappy Baker was on our show. They were guests on our show a couple of months ago. But this is going to be a weekly live call-in radio broadcast and will begin on Saturday, January 3rd, uh, 2015. It'll be from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And the program is going to be a listener-focused review of core LDS teachings from the approved Mormon Church publications. It will emphasize the deceptions and the deceit of mainstream Mormonism. However, I would like to say at this point that polygamists will also benefit greatly from these doctrinal reviews. Listeners will be encouraged to call in with questions during the program, and Lee Baker's program will be broadcast on AM 820 radio, so mark your calendar, and if you have the courage to hear the truth, you might want to listen and learn. And our next announcement is that another book about Joseph Smith is now available. It's called, entitled, The Rogue Prophet. And it's written by Sean O'Brien. It's right now, it's for free, a free download on your mobile device. If you go to Amazon.com and ask uh, and click on the free download. But it's a, it looks like a very interesting book. It, I just heard about this a couple of days ago. I yeah. haven't had a chance to look at it. But the back of it, it says there are two sides to every story. One is told by missionaries, commercials, and visitor centers, and this is the other <laughs> side. So it sounds interesting, and you might want to check it out. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about the official website, LDS.org, and the recently posted essays admitting to what they had previously ignored and sometimes had denied, and that is Joseph Smith's polygamy that uh, he had yeah. somewhere, admitting that he had somewhere between 30 and 40 wives. Yep. However, these essays are not completely honest in their carefully worded explanations of Joseph Smith's polygamy. Of course, we have received a great deal of response from viewers and other people about these articles, so we're dedicating this week's show and next week's show to discuss the articles and their weak and even deceitful and unacceptable explanations of Joseph Smith's polygamy. The Bible says no lie comes from the truth. Mm 
If the Mormon church were true, it would stop lying about and covering up their history and especially about Joseph Smith's shenanigans. Tonight, we will address some of the problems in the essays about his polygamy, at least as many as we have time yeah, to cover. And that, yeah, there is a lot. They finally admitted that Joseph Smith practiced polygamy, that he had between 30 and 40 wives, that he had taken as plural wives women who already had living husbands, that he took a 14-year-old girl as a plural wife. In general, and these are things that people have called as liars for saying. Yes, I've, and now I've heard they're, that over and over again. Oh yeah, we have. Um, but now they're admitting it's true. And, and generally they fall dismally short of telling the truth about his plural marriages. But worst of all, they place all the blame for Joseph Smith's polygamy on God by saying that it was God who commanded Smith to take multiple wives. They claim they don't know why God commanded it, that he just did. And then they proceed to brag about how obedient Joseph Smith was to jump into the practice of polygamy. Now the web address for the articles uh, is on the screen, it's www.lds.org, and, and then a lot of little uh, dots and periods uh, after that, but it's a long link, and so we're going to, we have put it on our show notes button on our website. You can go to whatloveisthis.tv and click show notes and obtain our links and our references that we're going to be referring to tonight's show. Now, there's so much that's historically and biblically wrong with these articles that we cannot possibly cover them, like we said on all shows. So we decided to pick and choose some blatant cover-ups and half-truths, hoping that our viewers won't just brush this off as majoring in the minors, but that you'll understand that God does not accept half-truth. Truth is valuable to Him. A half-truth is still a lie. So from the LDS.org article entitled Plural Marriage in Kirtland and Nauvoo, we will begin our review and st beginning with the quote from the beginning. At the beginning, in biblical times, <clears throat> the Lord commanded some of His people to practice plural marriage. Some early members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also received and obeyed this commandment given through God's prophets. Now they say, in biblical times, God commanded, <clears throat> but they didn't give us a reference where God commanded His people to practice polygamy in biblical times. It isn't there. God instituted monogamy, not polygamy, and we know that God doesn't change, so we know that God did not command polygamy in biblical times or for Joseph Smith. The next quote. The revelation recorded in Doctrine and Covenants section 132 states that Joseph prayed to know why God justified Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and Solomon in having many wives. The Lord responded that he had commanded them to enter into the practice. Now these are exact quotes from the from articles, the, from, the essay, yes. from the essays that have been po posted by the church on LDS.org. Now God is never going to respond with a lie. That Isaac did not have many wives, and yet Isaac is mentioned there. Neither did Moses. There's no biblical uh, passage that says that Moses lived polygamy. There's not a single place in historical biblical manuscripts where God commanded any man to live polygamy, and God doesn't lie. But Joseph Smith lied, and this is one of the most evil lies that ever came from his mouth. And you know what? It's not even in the Joseph Smith translation. No, he didn't make any change to the, to the Bible. No, not no. in these areas he didn't. Here's number three. 
<clears throat> Latter-day Saints understood that they were living in the latter days in what the revelations called the dispensation of the fullness of times. Ancient principles such as prophets, priesthood, and temples would be restored to the earth. Plural marriage was one of those ancient principles. First of all, plural marriage was not an ancient principle. No. They're saying it is, making it sound legit, but it was not an ancient, it was a practice but not a godly principle. So every, actually everything in this is a false statement. God did not restore prophets. Jesus is our final and only prophet. God did not restore priesthood. Jesus is our only and final high priest. God did not restore temples. Jesus referring to himself said, one greater than the temple is here. It's all about Jesus. You know what? It's all about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Not Joseph Smith, not temples, not priesthood, not any of that. That's right. In fact, okay, and number four, Joseph told associates that an angel appeared to him three times between 1834 and 1842 and commanded him to proceed with plural marriage. During the final, third and final appearance, the angel came, angel came with a drawn sword, threatening Joseph with destruction unless he went forward and obeyed the commandment fully. Now, this is just... Total nonsense. Absolute nonsense. He had already begun building his harem. He didn't need threats from an angel to do what he was already doing. This says that Joseph told his associates about the angel. There were never any witnesses to his claim. Nobody was there to, to say three times that there was really an angel there. So are we just to take him at his word that God commanded something that he previously died? You won't take Jesus at his word. Why will you take Joseph? Nor do they tell us that Joseph Smith used this threat of an angel ready to kill him to powerfully convince some women to marry him or else. And this was designed to give them guilt, a guilt trip that his life was hanging on their response to his plural marriage proposal. What a wicked way to get women in his bed. Very convenient, wasn't it? It was very convenient. <laughs> and I, I, I thought Mormonism was supposed to be based on free agency. The polygamy groups of no, today still. copy Joseph Smith's example and they force women into polygamy by threats like this of all kinds of spiritual terrors. But that's not God's way. And when you know God, you know this cannot possibly be a true claim. Jesus brings grace, not terror. The next one is the same revelation that taught of plural marriage was part of a larger revelation given to Joseph Smith that marriage could last beyond death and that eternal marriage was essential to inheriting the fullness that God desires for his children. <laughs> and then we kind oh, of and the got, sealing, got a little uh, more. The sealing of husband and wife for eternity was made possible by the restoration of priesthood keys and ordinances. The Old Testament prophet Elijah appeared to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery and restored the priesthood keys necessary to perform ordinances for the living and the dead, including sealing families together. Marriages performed without this authority would end at death. Now, they're, all they're talking about here is Mormon doctrine. That's all myth. Yes. It is not biblical yeah. doctrine. And because it's not biblical doctrine, because the Bible refutes all this, it's not true. It can't be true. There's no such thing as restoring something that didn't first exist. There's no biblical evidence of sealing families to each other, spouses to each other, or sealing the living to the dead. Nor did Joseph Smith change his translation of his Bible to include any of these things. We also know that this cannot be true 
because God's decrees are unalterable, and Jesus already told us there's no marriages in heaven. No one remains married after they die, ritual or no rituals, and marriage ends at death, no exceptions. Jesus said so, and we believe him. Again, why would they believe Joseph and not Jesus? Likewise, there are no Bible passages that teach a priesthood authority to seal polygamists together for eternity, or for the continuation of seeds forever and ever, which is actually a code for eternal sex and eternal pregnancy. That's not heaven. That's scary. (laughs) That's scary, right. Latter-day Saints' motives, this is follows, Latter-day Saints' motives for plural marriage were often more religious than economic or romantic. And you know what? This is probably the only, well, I shouldn't say the only, but it's basically a true statement, statement. (laughs) one of the rare true ones. Uh, Marriage was forced. Love wasn't considered, but the Bible teaches us that God is love. So why should we believe that God would command polygamy that is not based on the very love that God is and flies in the face of God's command for men to love their wives? We're supposed to uh, expect to believe that God is going to command a cruel and loveless marriage system? What love is this? Ephesians tells us that marriage is supposed to reflect God's love toward us. It says the husband is supposed to love and care and provide and protect his wife so much that he will even give himself up for her. He will give up his own comfort, his time, his preferences, his emotions, his selfish ambitions for his wife. You'll never find that kind of love in the Mormon priesthood or the polygamous system. It was God who invented love and romance to start with. Could he then expect people to get married without love and romance? God is love, and he has commanded the husband to love his wife. And this love is not referring to sex, but to the husband's perpetual, kind, and thoughtful treatment of his wife. A polygamist can never treat plural wives equally and completely in that kind of love. It's impossible. Participants in these early plural marriages pledged to keep their involvement confidential, though they anticipated a time when the practice would become publicly acknowledged. Now, this is a question I've had for years, (laughs) long long before I even began studying. Why keep it a secret? Yeah, That's what I don't understand. Commanded from God. Yeah, yeah, if God commanded, all these blessings come for Jesus said he did nothing in secret. He also said that anything that is secret should be shouted from the rooftops. If there were so many blessings attached to polygamy, they taught cholesterol glory would not be attained without it. Why keep it a secret? And we're going to be talking more about this secrecy later on in another quote. Yeah. Men and women, parents and children, ancestors and progeny were to be sealed to each other, their commitment lasting into the eternities, consistent with Jesus' promise that priesthood ordinances performed on earth could be bound in heaven. Now they've misquoted the Bible again, (laughs) saying that these ordinances are bound in heaven. It never says... The Bible never says that Jesus promised priesthood ordinances would be bound in heaven. We're going to uh, read the passage from which they are misusing this quote. Matthew 18. 18, 15 through 19. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. 
But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you if, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now this is the context of this bound priesthood ordinances they say are bound in heaven. Context in applying biblical scripture is everything. The context of this binding comment in Matthew is church discipline. Yeah, it's not about marriage. <laughs> it's not about marriage. It's not about priesthood authority. It has nothing to do with it. it. It's not about sealing families together. It's strictly how to deal with church discipline and cannot be applied to marriage. And Joseph Smith's translation did not Again, change it, it at yeah. all. It doesn't refer to eternal sealings in the Book of Mormon either. No, there's no temple marriage there either. Not there. The next, rumors spread. The rumors prompted members and leaders to issue carefully worded denials. That sounds familiar. <laughs> carefully worded denials that denounce sp spiritual wifery and polygamy, but were silent about what Joseph Smith and others saw as divinely mandated celestial plural marriage. The statements emphasize that the church practiced no marital law other than monogamy, while implicitly leaving open the possibility that individuals under direction of God's living prophet might do so. Now here they have some very carefully worded <laughs> right. denials. Plural marriage and, and polygamy are synonymous, by the way. Something that God has prohibited cannot be celestialized to make it right, and God has not uh, God has prohibited polygamy. So keeping this in mind, let's look at a couple of their denials that they even practiced polygamy. Some of your elders say that a man having a certain priesthood may have as many wives as he pleases, and that doctrine is taught here. I say unto you that that man teaches false doctrine, for there is no such doctrine taught here, neither is there any such thing practiced here. Now this was quoted in Times and Season, March of 1844, 1844. Right. What, about three, two or three months before Joseph Smith was killed. That's right. And they were teaching and practicing polygamy, and here they've lied about it. The next one. The next one from the history of the church. What a thing it is for a man to be accused of committing adultery and having seven wives when I can only find one. Joseph Smith said this on May 26th of 1844, about a month before he was killed, and at the same time he had secretly accumulated almost three dozen wives, and he's denying it. Whatever happened to the command, thou shalt not bear false witness? The next quote illustrates the mind manipulation that they use against their readers. Most of those sealed to Joseph Smith were between 20 and 40 years of age at the time of their sealing to him. The oldest, Fanny Young, was 56 years old. The youngest was Helen Mark Kimball, daughter of Joseph's close friend Heber C. and Violet Murray Kimball, who was sealed to Joseph several months before her 15th birthday. Now notice how they said this. She Helen? wasn't 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wasn't 14. She was just a few months before her 15th birthday. Uh, that, that, that would, uh, why did they do it that way? 
but to manipulate your mind. Yeah. They, they, they wouldn't just say 14 years old because they tamper with your mind that way. They control your thinking by saying it that way. And mind control is their expertise, and they do it without you even knowing that that's what they're doing to you. They justify the young age of Helen Mark Kimball by admitting that it is inappropriate today but was legal then. But it was inappropriate then Certainly. as well. Yeah. A 37-year-old man promising eternal life to a 14-year-old girl and promising eternal life to her entire family if she would marry him. That is wrong. Whether it's a thousand years ago or a hundred years ago or yesterday, it is wrong. And another thing they left out was Helen Mark Kimball's statement after her marriage to Joseph Smith. They should have included this. And this is what she wrote. This is amusing. I would never have been sealed to Joseph had I known it was anything more than a ceremony. I was young and they deceived me by saying the salvation of our whole family depended on it. Notice she said they deceived her. Yeah. She discovered they had deceived her. And of course they didn't mention Nancy Winchester in the article who was another 14-year-old girl that 37-year-old Joseph Smith took as a plural wife. And then the writers of this article point out that Helen Mark Kimball and the other polygamous wives never made negative remarks about their polygamy. Well, neither did my mother. But I saw her pain, and I heard her tears and sobs, and I saw her miserable life, but she supported polygamy to her dying breath. Why? Well, she thought she was earning her eternal life. And Joseph Smith threatened women with God's wrath and damnation if they opposed it in any way, and so did Brigham Young, and so do polygamy groups today. Of course they don't dare speak evil of it. But again, the writers of this article are not bringing you the whole truth. Let's look at some quotes they chose not to include in their comments of what some women said. The first one is from Annie Clark. Tanner. Yes, Annie Clark Tanner was certain that women would never have accepted polygamy had it not been for their religion. The principle of celestial marriage was considered the capstone of the Mormon religion. Only by practicing it would the highest exaltation in the celestial kingdom of God be obtained. Okay, so here they're promising celestial, the highest celestial, if polygamy is practiced. Now, things don't change. It would still be true today if it were true then. Now, let's see what Marianne Angel Young, Brigham Young's second wife, said. Well, Brigham Young's second wife was a patient, uncomplaining woman, but she even reportedly remarked to a friend, God will be very cruel if he does not give us poor women adequate compensation for the trials we have endured in polygamy. So she had some problems, she and obviously was trials. she... <laughs> yeah, some trials we have endured. That word endured yeah. also is something to watch. And of course, we cannot neglect Zena D. Jacobs Smith Young, what she said. Zena told another plural wife, Neither are you the only woman who is suffering torments on account of polygamy. There are women in this very house, which is Brigham Young's, whose hearts are full of hell. And in that room is a woman who has been a perfect fury ever since Brother Young married Sister Amelia Folsom. 
Brigham Young dare not enter that room or she, she would tear his eyes out. See, they didn't, they say nobody ever made any negative remarks about polygamy, but why didn't they include these to prove there were negative remarks and feelings and tor terrors and tortures by the women who lived polygamy yeah. in those days? Sarah Pratt had something to say about polygamy. Sarah castigated polygamy, polygamy as the direst curse with which a people or a nation could be afflicted. It completely demoralizes good men and makes bad men, bad men correspondingly worse. As for the women, well, God help them. First wives, it renders desperate or else heartbroken, mean-spirited creatures. And plural wives have their sorrows too. Okay, and then we have a cap. The cap of all of these was by the daughter of Jedediah M. Grant, and she's right on when she said this. Polygamy is all right when properly carried out on a shovel. <laughs> and it needs to be shoveled out for sure. Okay, now for That's more... That's a good one. <laughs> For more references and more information on polygamy, these references came from uh, Mormon Polygamy, the book entitled Mormon Polygamy, A History by LDS author Richard S. Van Wagner. And again, you can go to show, host, uh, show notes and click the notes and find the links uh, and the information to get more information if you'd like. So back to the, uh, oh, were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say we've heard from so many polygamous young women and others that have come out of polygamy even in our day here that have the same story mm -hmm. of the first wives being miserable and the polygamous wives being neglected and the children and yep and it, it is. is so sad it is it is very very sad all in the name of god all in the name of god and yeah. they're lying against god actually they're bearing false witness against god himself sure. is what they're doing and that's a very dangerous place yeah. to be joseph smith started it so he's in a dangerous place <laughs> right now okay back to the essay back to the essay uh, the revelation instructed women and men that they must obey god's law and commands in order to receive the fullness of his glory. So now we get back to the secrecy. Oh A according to early Mormon polygamy and, and today's polygamy groups, the promise of polygamy uh, results the fullness of glory, eternal blessings, highest degree of eternal life, and pleasing God to the fullest measure for all of those who bow down to the practice of plural marriage. They even promised that polygamists would become gods. In fact, only polygamists could become gods. Right. Now, if all this was gospel truth, why would they keep it a secret? If Joseph Smith received the revelation in 1831, why did he keep all those possible blessings from the rest of the Mormons? A godly spiritual leader would tell everyone everything they needed to know in order to obtain God's highest blessings if it were the truth. But he kept it secret. Even worse, he lied about it. Now, does that sound right? Honestly, does that sound right? So maybe you might wonder uh, or should wonder what your leaders are keeping secret from you today. At least one authority admitted that he knows Mormonism is wrong, but he said, the people need us, so we'll carry on. But you know what? He's wrong because the people only need Jesus. Our next one. Our next quote. God declared in the Book of Mormon that monogamy was the standard. At times, however, he commanded plural marriage so his people could raise up seed unto him. Plural marriage did result in an increased number of children born to believing parents. Now, this is probably <laughs> one of the worst excuses yeah. to live polygamy that the Mormons ever came up with. It doesn't take a command from God for men and women to get together and make babies. 
It happens all the time, throughout all time, all around the globe. That's why we have almost 7 billion people on the planet today. So why would God require polygamy to raise up seed? And besides that, do the math. A man with 40 wives cannot have more children than 40 men, each with one wife. And there were enough men to go around in those days so that each woman could have her own private husband. And how many seed did Joseph Smith raise up to the Lord? Can you count them? Do you know how many? Can you name them? Is there a list somewhere of all of Joseph Smith's seed? There's a huge disconnect here. Joseph Smith was supposed to raise up seed if he practiced plural marriage. He was supposed to have Emma's permission for each wife. And according to section 132, he was supposed to marry only virgins. But he blew it on all those accounts. So why did Joseph Smith have 33 plural wives? You can take a minute and just step back and look at this as a big picture. I think you begin to see what uh, what Joseph Smith I, really was all about. Yep, I uh, I hope so. I, I hope, hope this so. this provokes someone to do that tonight. So the next quote: Some saints also saw plural marriage as a redemptive process of sacrifice and spiritual refinement. Now this one really grated on my nerves. This is kind of one of those little personal grates because. God said that he desires mercy, not sacrifice. And besides that, Jesus, not polygamy, is our sacrifice, and he is our redemption. And polygamy has absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> the next, next, next quote. <laughs> Lucy Walker recalled her inner turmoil when Joseph Smith invited her to become his wife. Every feeling of my soul revolted against it, she wrote. Yet after several restless nights on her knees in prayer, she found relief as her room filled with a holy influence akin to brilliant sunshine. She said, My soul was filled with a calm, sweet peace that I never knew, and supreme happiness took possession of my whole being. So now they say that some of these women had spiritual experiences that polygamy was true. And we just read about Lucy Walker. She was Joseph Smith's 23rd wife. She was married to him one day after she turned 17 years old. When she was 15 years old, Joseph Smith told her about plural marriage and proposed to her, and she hesitated. So this is what Joseph Smith said to her, and I quote, I have a message for you. I have been commanded of God to take another wife, and you are the woman. She told him she wanted her own testimony that this was God's will. And Joseph Smith said, I will give you until tomorrow to decide this matter. If you reject this message, the gate will be closed forever against you. So 15-year-old Lucy Walker was threatened by her spiritual leader, to accept his marriage proposal or else. People get thrown in jail today for that kind of trickery. People, uh, uh, how, how can you say that having a spiritual experience would be good in this kind of a situation? Of course she's going to have she some kind of spiritual talk herself experience. herself into it, yeah. For no other reason than total fear if she didn't. This method is normal in today's polygamy groups. The poor young girls are too scared to say no and too frightened to speak up against it. Even many of the older women in polygamy groups are too afraid to say anything against it because they think they're speaking against God. Lucy Walker later ended up marrying Joseph Smith on a day that Emma was conveniently away in St. Louis doing some shopping. 
and Emma knew nothing about the marriage of her 37-year-old husband to 17-year-old Lucy Walker. He was more than twice her age, and people claim that these despicable actions come from a prophet of God? Like you said, they need to step back a little bit yeah, and take a look take at a this. Look. More from the essay. Nevertheless, for many men, women and men, initial revulsion and anguish was followed by struggle, resolution, and ultimately light and peace. Sacred experiences enabled the saints to move forward in faith. A spiritual witness of its truthfulness allowed Joseph Smith and other Latter-day Saints to accept this principle. And we just talked about spiritual experiences, yeah. and, and, and uh, you almost force yourself to have it because of the fear and a spiritual leader coming up to you and saying this, I mean, really. Yeah. Uh, but, but a spiritual witness can also be a counterfeit. In fact, the Old Testament prophets and Jesus himself repeatedly warned us against spiritual experiences. We are to test the spirits, test the prophets, and test the doctrine. We are to regard God's written word in the Bible above any personal spiritual experience. If they don't line up with biblical revelation, they are to be rejected because Satan appears as an angel of light. And he does that to deceive you. Polygamy is against the biblical revelation. Therefore, anyone and everyone can know in advance that it's wrong. They do not need a separate personal spiritual experience. God has already spoken, and polygamy is prohibited. And the final quote. Difficult as it was, the introduction of plural marriage in Nauvoo did indeed raise up seed unto God. A substantial number of today's members descend through faithful Latter-day Saints who practice plural marriage. And they use that a lot. I know people have Very even proud. used that. Very yeah. Proud. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, the Mormons could easily and would very, very much easily have rapidly increased without polygamy. It could have happened. They didn't need polygamy to raise up seed. Monogamy produces as many children as polygamy does, and in a more healthy manner, too, yeah. I might add. <laughs> now, there, there are more statements and more things to cover. We've got a lot more to cover, but right now we need to take a break and open up our telephones. So we are going to uh, um, take our, our uh, mid-show break right now. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820, 973-TV20. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from new uh, viewers if you'd like to call in tonight. If you don't agree, that's fine, just as long as you don't yell and scream at us or uh, and allow us to have a two-way uh, conversation. So as we share our mid-show break with you, uh, our message with you, uh, we'll wait for the phone calls to come in. Great. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, 
which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm Doris Hansen, your host, and with our co-host, Earl Erskine. Hi. We have been discussing and quoting from uh, one of the LDS.org essays that they've recently posted on the yeah. LDS.org website. Yeah, it takes a little bit to find those. You have to go into gospel topics and do some clicking, but it, you can eventually find it. if It's not right out there for you, but mm -hmm. it, if you look for it, you can find that it. You can find yeah. it. And yeah. next week, there's a lot more to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, next week uh, maybe a few more quotes that we were unable to get to tonight, but also comments from other people, from media and from, from Mormons and non-Mormons about uh, the, the church finally uh, revealing the fact yeah. that Joseph Smith did um, practice poly polygamy that he had from 30 to 40 wives, that he married these young girls, that he married women who were already married, and so on. Um, and, you know, this is, they, they might call it transparency, but actually they're not even, still not being truthful, as we've shown tonight. Um, there was an article after these essays were posted. Yeah. In the Salt Lake Tribune, November 2nd of 2014, we're going to read parts of this article. It, it, well, actually, it's a letter to the editors, I believe, or at least it's an editorial. And it's so important what this woman is saying about these uh, essays on Joseph Smith's polygamy that we wanted to share uh, some of the most important parts with you. So we're going to read the article from the Salt Lake Tribune. It's dated November 2nd, mm -hmm. uh, 2014. I'm a believing Mormon woman with two young daughters. I'm also a psychologist with a PhD from Brigham Young University. The newest essay on polygamy explains that Joseph Smith was directed by God to take plural wives, including 14-year-olds, and encourages readers to learn from stories of women who obeyed in spite of their initial repulsion to the idea. I'm worried the good motives driving this essay might unintentionally lead to negative consequences. I'm well versed in victim grooming patterns. Patterns These include establishing a relationship of trust, convincing victims that their proposal isn't wrong, and afterward ensuring that victims remain silent. I fear that official church sanctioning of this essay in its current form may unintentionally lead to more such cases. I propose the following preventative options addressed to the essay's authors and leaders who commissioned it. 
Number one, the LDS scripture illustrates how prophets can be inspired and make mistakes. Ideally, please acknowledge that Joseph may have erred in his practice of polygamy. Two, please excise mollifying language for Joseph Smith's polygamy and his secrecy surrounding the practice. Consider acknowledging that practicing polygamy while releasing carefully worded denials that emphasize that the church practiced no marital law other than monogamy, uh, that is, secrecy toward the uh, public and his wife Emma Smith, was a mistake. Number three, the essay acknowledged that Joseph told associates, young women he proposed to, that an angel with a sword was compelling him to marry them. I personally feel that a teenager's assent under such conditions is not true consent. That is so true. Yeah. Four, I noticed after publication you later added quotes from Joseph's younger wives describing their initial revulsion toward polygamy and later acceptance. I know these quotes are well-meaning and I'm glad you're including their voices, but given the essay's obedient tone and assertion that Joseph never erred, the, their quotes could actually lead to victims resonating with their initial sorrow and hoping to later find similar joy and peace. If, number five, if you keep the assertion that polygamy was God's will and Joseph didn't err, consider adding a warning that God cannot command a man, even a priesthood leader, to have sex with someone today. Before concluding, please consider revisiting the policy that male priesthood leaders conduct worthiness interviews discussing sensitive topics such as sexuality alone with women and girls as young as eight years old. This issue was raised earlier this year in a New York Times article. Other women could be present in the room or even conduct them. Or they, they could not even conduct them at all because yeah. none of us are worthy without Jesus Christ <laughs> anyway. Um, anyway, she's very correct about this. Would they ever come out and admit that Joseph Smith erred? Do you think they would ever do that, that Joseph Smith really erred in these doctrinal practices? Honestly, no. I don't really think so. I think he's on such a pedestal. He's the foundation of the church. And um, if he falls? If he falls, it would, it would <coughs> cause a, a real problem. You know what? He's going to fall off his pedestal and that halo they put on him is going to fall around his neck and choke him because this is so wrong. Yeah. It is it's so the same wrong. thing with the blacks and the priesthood. They've dumped that on Brigham Young. It yeah. wasn't Joseph Smith. Um, and, and Joseph Smith just, um, yeah, he, he gets a pass. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing is true of the Book of Abraham and the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. There's no and you know what? documentation for they those. They say, well, our, he was, he, nobody claimed he was perfect. Nobody, you know, yeah, we know that he was I a man that. and he erred. But you know what? That's why we follow Jesus, because he was perfect. We don't follow a man. Right. It's wrong to follow a man in any way. Take him off his pedestal. Throw away all the stuff that he invented and just follow Jesus. Now, we've got several calls here right now. We have an off-the-air question asked if Helen Mark Kimball remained in the LDS Church. Sadly, she did. Uh, Joseph Smith died not long after she married him, and uh, she had a sweetheart that she loved uh, before she was coerced into marrying Joseph Smith, and later on she married him. They moved west to Utah, and he became a polygamist. Oh, dear. I know. <laughs> it's, right? it's very sad, but that's, that's what happens in Mormondom. All right. We have on line one Mary from Spokane, Washington. Hello, Mary. Hello? Yes. Hello, Dora? Yes, you're on the air, Mary. I have a question for you. Okay. Can you tell me why the general authorities in the Mormon Church 
continue to uphold and sustain and protect Joseph Smith, knowing that he did all these things. Well, we just kind of talked about that. Earl, I'll let mm -hmm. you answer this question. You were the okay. Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the foundation of the church. I mean, it, the whole church is built on the trustworthiness and character of Joseph Smith. If there's any question about his character, it brings into question the first vision, the Book of Mormon, the Book of Abraham. It just, things become such a domino effect if you even consider for a minute that he wasn't always acting in the name of God. And what's worse, of course, is that he always said, thus saith the Lord. Right. So he always gave that as his, uh, his foundation is that he was speaking for the Lord. I think that it would be very difficult. To me like the foundation is pretty, pretty shaky. It is. You're absolutely right. It's very shaky because it's based on a man, not on the truth. It's based on a man that didn't live the commandments that he'd need to live today. Well, the, there's no commandments to live today, ma'am. We're in grace. Jesus Christ came and brought us grace. And right. we are saved right. by I grace, agree. not by works. Uh, I hope, I'll encourage anybody listening to be sure to read Joseph Smith, Rough Stone Rolling. And in Sacred Loneliness, those are the two best books Very good. that can give you a lot of information. That's right. Nauvoo Polygamy is another good one. Thank you for calling, Mary. Thank you. Uh-huh. Good Bye -bye. night. Okay, we have on line two, Charles Larson from Orem. Hello, Charles. How are you? Well, I'm very good. It's, it's so wonderful to see the both of you uh, doing this show together like this. My wife and I have just been thrilled good. to see you too. It's good to hear from you. Together on this. It's, it's been so much fun these past few weeks. <laughs> uh, all I had tonight was you, you raised the issue for us of uh, uh, how raising up seed didn't require polygamy right. to do it. I'd, I'd just like to remind people, and then perhaps you can corroborate this too, think back just a few years to, to this fellow Tom Green. Mm -hmm. Okay, the fellow that made all kinds of news. He was the first polygamy case to actually be tried in Utah in over 70 years right. for polygamy. He had five wives, 30 children, roughly. I can't remember just how many. But, you know, if each of those wives each bore six children, couldn't they just as easily have borne them with one man each instead of the same man? Right. Of course they could. Absolutely. And... Uh, Good heavens. That's the right. idea that it requires one man to go and impregnate five wives or, or ten wives or even two wives yeah. to make more children than as one man per woman is so patently ridiculous. It's just obscene. <laughs> it is. Anyway, God is. bless you both. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. love you both dearly. Thank and, you. And keep doing this, would you please? As long as God allows us, Charles, we will. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good night. Could I just interject too here? Certainly. Um, I think one of the things that really disturbs us all that are on this side of the issue is to have people come to, to start to believe that the true only true church, and I, I can't speak for the polygamists, but the, that the only true church isn't true. And so then they give up on everything. They give up on all. That's and, sad. And I think our message, and you say it so well, always, is that this is about Jesus. It is. And the Bible is the Word of God. It's our anchor. It stands alone. Mm -hmm. It does not need the other scriptures of Mormonism to support it at Absolutely. all. Absolutely. So people that are questioning and hearing this maybe for the first time and they're starting to think, well, is this possible that Joseph Smith had, 
he was a man and mm -hmm. he added another gospel to the Bible. He did. And so don't walk away from religion. I mean, don't walk away from this relationship with Jesus and with the Bible yeah. just because you may learn that the, the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. of Latter-day Saints has historical and doctrinal problems. They, they get so angry because they found out that they've been lied to all yeah. their life. And so they, they, they think, well, if, yeah, they yeah. don't want to be burned again. But yeah. give God a chance because God is good. God is good news. Uh, he's not bad news. And, and back to what Charles Larson said, he, that was a very good point he made. Uh, he had six wives, and if each wife uh, had, um, well, seven wives, and each seven wives had six kids. That's yeah. 30 kids. Each wife could have had six kids mm -hmm. without uh, being a polygamist. Well, my father, my, uh, I came from a polygamist home. He only had two wives. The first wife had eight kids. My mother had eight kids. Well, each... He, so my father had 16 kids, but each woman, had they been uh, monogamous, could still have had eight kids. Sure. <laughs> so polygamy doesn't increase <laughs> the ability yeah. for, it increase uh, the progeny of a man, but it certainly doesn't increase the ability to have more children uh, in the long run. Okay, we have on line three, Laura from Layton. Hello, Laura. Hello. Laura, you're on the air. Yes, I'm still here. Okay, you're on the air. What's your question? You need to turn your TV volume down. Laura? I, I'm turning the TV down. Okay. What's your question? Uh, first of all, I want to tell you how much my husband and I have enjoyed your um, show over the years. Thank my you. question is, um, I, I'm not well versed in the Bible, but you've said that God did not have polygamy in the Bible, but someone in our home the other day, uh, I, I mentioned that God didn't have polygamous, didn't sanction that, and he said, oh yes he did, he gave David all his wives, not his concubines, but he gave him all his wives. Uh, could you explain that? Yes, we, we explain this oh, probably two yeah, or three times a, a month yes. uh, because people have a problem with that particular scripture. And it goes back to, to uh, King Saul was the first king of Israel and King David was the second king. Uh, when Saul died, David came in and took his place. Now that means that David had control of the entire kingdom. Everything that had been Saul's was now David's. Everything. Now that, that means that all of his cattle, all of his, all of his uh, property, the palace, even his harem would have been David's. And God gave Saul's kingdom to David. Now, that doesn't mean David took them as wives because he didn't. Because it, as, if when you study the Bible, you discover that Saul only had one wife and one concubine, okay? So that's only two. Somebody else got his concubine, David didn't, and Saul's first wife would have been old enough to be David's mother. In fact, Saul's first wife would have been David's mother-in-law because he was married to Michael, Saul, and his wife's daughter. So the fact that God gave David his wives is saying that God gave David all of Saul's kingdom and his harem was included in part of that kingdom. Doesn't mean he took him to bed. Does that make sense? Well, she hung up. I guess she wanted to listen off the air. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, by the way, that book that I 
that we have, I should have one out here on the table called Is Polygamy Biblical? explains that in it uh, during our break. It talked about that book. That book is free. If anybody wants it, just call and ask for it. We'll send it to you because it explains all these biblical passages where polygamy is talked about. Okay, we have line one, Paul calling from Kearns. Hello, Paul. Uh, hi there. Hey, um, I enjoy your show so much. I've learned so much from you. Uh, you recently had Grant Palmer on as a guest, remember? A while back, yes. And, and I, I got his book, and I, and I read the, the, the section on his testimony, and uh, there were nine contributors to his testimony and to the Book of Mormon, and they were Lucy Smith, Oliver Cowdery, Joseph Knight Sr., Martin Harris, Benjamin Sanders, Willard Chase, Fayette Lapham, Ab Abner Cole, Reverend John A. Clark. Um, they contributed to his testimony, and he, he got the, the whole story uh, for his book uh, uh, from the, the Golden Pot. That's, that's where he got the idea from the Golden Plates. And uh, Joseph Smith never was a prophet, and and he, this was all a big conspiracy, a, 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 a family project. The same people who claimed to see the plates were the same conspirators who contributed to the to his testimony. And uh, I just wanted to uh, to say those things because because <laughs> Grant, Grant Palmer wrote the in, Insider's View of Mormon right. Origins, and he was the chief church historian for right. 34 years, right, and he absolutely. headed the church educational department. If anybody should know about the LDS church, it would be this man who spent he, his whole life. He had it. a lot of access to a lot of information we don't mm -hmm. have access to. You're absolutely right. Yeah, That's you ought to get that to. book, The Insider's View of Mormon I do have it, yes. Origins. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I thank you for letting me on. You bet. I've sure, sure enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you Thanks, for calling. Thank you. Bye. Okay, goodbye. Okay, and we have on line two, Ken from Manti. We're running a little short on time, Ken, so um, it's good to hear from you. What do you have to add? I'll make it quick. Everybody's always asking, why don't the leaders tell the truth? They can't tell the truth. It's like Herbert J. Armstrong and his church. When he told the truth, they lost their college, they lost all the members. When people stop paying their money into a false right. doctrine, it's going to collapse just like apart. a pyramid scheme. Yep, it falls apart. That's all I've got to say. And thank you, Ken. You've always got more to say than that, so I applaud you for, for being succinct. Uh, i got a lot more to say, <laughs> but maybe next time. Right, all right. Thanks for calling, Ken. I hope all is stop well. Trying, stop trying to buy your way to heaven and just trust Jesus. <laughs> it's a free gift. Your salvation is free. That's you don't right. have to pay anything. That's so true, Ken. Thank you for the word. God bless. Keep up the good work. You too. Thanks, Ken. Bye. It's kind and, of like pay, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, on, you know, the Wizard <laughs> of Oz quote. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know that, that he talked about the gold plates. Uh, it, it is true that Joseph Smith did not translate from the gold plates. Every, you know, every testimony we've got, he put his head in the hat the and said that he that heard uh, from a rock. So, yeah. well, we're to the end of the show again. Next week we'll cover more of this. We want to thank you for yeah. helping and thank Happy you for here. watching and we'll talk more about it next week. And you know, tonight's closing comments are selected quotes from an internet blog about the LDS leadership defending Joseph Smith's sexual activities and their lame excuses defending his immoral behavior. 
this is a very dangerous position for them to take because no female is safe in a church where the leadership defends Joseph Smith's sexual abuse and him as the abuser because potential abusers can now hide behind pretended priesthood authority and feel justified using the same excuse that Joseph Smith used, God told me to do it because protecting the reputation of Joseph Smith and their church is more important to them than the safety of current and future sexual abuse victims in their church. Because a church will blame God for the actions of a predator in his past will also do the same in the present and in the future because their justification of Smith's polygamy allows Joseph Smith to keep hurting women even after his death. Joseph Smith's actions do matter. The Mormon church's response to these events matter as well. It matters because our Jesus told us that the root produces the fruit. It matters because Helen Mark Kimball mattered, because Zena Huntington and Lucy Walker and Emma Smith mattered. Every female that Joseph Smith hurt mattered. And because the safety of every girl and every woman in the Mormon church and in every polygamy group today matters. Who cares? Well, all of us should care, but more importantly, we know that God cares. And I want you to think about that. And till next week, good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of the Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.